I saw this on Amazon. I thought it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> you thought it was freaking weird. So you bought it. I like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Mob- well, actually, you know what? Can you explain what this mobbing is? Like, where did we get that from? Yo, are we going to mob it? Mob. <laughs> I feel like it was it was just a term that uh, one of the one of the homies came up with when we were in high school and it was like, uh, <laughs> cause you guys had your click. Cause we had our little click. That's right. That's right. So, uh, it's just me and a, and a few other guys are, these were football guys. Um, one in particular, shout out to Roz. It was like, we were done with our lunch and then Ross would, he'd be like, yo, we gonna mob it. Which of course meant once we're done with our food, Hey, yo, we gonna, we gonna walk around. We gonna be seen. <laughs> we're gonna that's say pretty much up. what it was it was like let's Basically. go be seen it's not let's even like let's seen. go hang out yeah yeah yeah. let's get our <laughs> walk on we all had our walks i don't even i don't know i feel like it was so put on like we, we didn't take ourselves too seriously so it was like mm. we had our like fake limp <laughs> oh of course you gotta have like that fake it was limp almost exaggerated walking, like, right exactly so, you got it because yeah. like ooh, gotta ease it and now i gotta take my time on this one when michael told me that story it just kind of organically became like our go-to like all right you know let's mob it let's mob so, it. yeah let's when, we, it when we start the episode for real for real we mobbing it yeah we mobbing so we mobbing let's mob it how you doing everybody welcome to affliction autos podcast episode 11 my name is Eric, and the other voice occupying your head this time is my good friend, colleague, billionaire philanthropist, caped crusader, and co-host, Michael. Yo, what it do, baby boo? Thank you to all the listeners out there for joining us. Available on all major podcast streaming services, with new episodes dropping on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific, Afflictionados is a podcast where we mainly talk about films that range from mind-numbing to mind-blowing. Occasionally, we may also cover TV shows or other forms of media. It goes without saying, we will be getting into spoilers here, and there will only be the healthiest amount of expletives tossed in. You have been warned. Now, if you ain't ready, then get ready, because in today's episode, we will be discussing The Batman. Batman. This came out in 1989, directed by Tim Burton. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And Vicky Vale, obviously. You know, oh, of, course, of course. No, this is The Batman. Came out this year, actually, 2022. Directed by Matt Reeves. I think this might actually be the most recent movie we've ever done up until this point oh yeah that came up real real hot yeah it came up real quick we kind of gathered all the guys from work and we all saw this together we pretty much took up the entire row i think there was like two people that kind of broke up the chain but from like the very far side of the right all the way to the left because you had like the very left flank yeah that's it that's it i was covering left flank that's right Mm -hmm. i don't know just holding it down eh? we were holding it down Except for those other two folks who were next to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whoever those people were. In the in this whole theater, every other seat was empty, but there's like two seats right <laughs> in that middle row. And they're like, yeah, we want those. Yeah, let me get at those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let me throw out that synopsis and then we'll jump right into the movie. During his second year fighting crime, Batman pursues the Riddler, a serial killer who targets key political figures in Gotham. Batman uncovers corruption that connects to his own family during the investigation and is forced to make new allies in order to bring the Riddler to justice. 
It's kind of interesting to look at the development of this movie because it wasn't just like a, hey, we should do another uh, Batman reboot. So Matt Reeves, uh, the director, he created such films as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War Hmm. for the Planet of the Apes. But notably, he has directed two films that I greatly enjoyed myself personally. Um, Let Me In, which is a remake of the Swedish film Let the Right One In. And uh, I still haven't seen that one, but man, I really love Let Me In. Mm. And then uh, the other all-time favorite of mine is Cloverfield. So I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or heard of it. I don't know. He directed that too. Shoot. Yeah, I freaking love that movie. I don't know what it was, but I almost felt like it was just a roller coaster ride watching that movie. Yeah, Dan Cloverfield. I didn't realize. Yeah, that was a that was definitely a good one. Not sure I saw that one in theaters, but uh, shout out to to him for that. For this movie, Ben Affleck was originally supposed to reprise the role of Batman slash Bruce Wayne after he was cast as the character, you know, for was like the last few Justice League movies. So I, I guess even before Justice League, this isn't really considered it, but it's kind of the precursor. But Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. He also went on to play the same character for the 2016's uh, Suicide Squad. So he was kind of like a cameo in that one. And then, of course, 2017's Justice League, which was like, I don't know. That one is, it kind of has the audience split because a lot of people liked the original release. And then now you got like the resurgence of the Snyder Cut and whatever. So I, I don't... I don't even want to get in all that. But uh, Warner Brothers had plans to create a standalone Batman film initially. Affleck was going to co-write and direct. So I thought that was pretty interesting because he was basically going to be not only the star, but kind of the driving force behind it as well. He was going to be the Tom Cruise of it. I got you. Yeah, this is just going to be Ben Affleck, the movie. (laughs) Uh, Matt Reeves was chosen as the top pick for uh, director after Affleck left. And in 2019, Affleck dropped out of the film altogether due to, I guess, his divorce from Jennifer Garner and his struggles with alcoholism. So he just had a lot of personal demons going on. So I think he stepped down because a lot of people were giving him flack for being the director of this movie. They're like, why don't you just get someone that is is seasoned, you know, and and is going to be able to handle this. And so um, I, I don't know if he just got kind of like pushed out of it. He eventually uh, handed over to Matt Reeves. And then, um, yeah, after all that stuff went down, Affleck just kind of dropped out of the movie altogether. So he wasn't even involved in this. I think his involvement was kind of in the the very early stages where he wrote the script. And I think a lot of it was kind of built off of that. But by that point, it's been like rewritten and a lot of stuff has been kind of Uh, moved around so i i don't even know like how close it is to the version that affleck came up with but Mm. you know i I feel like at this point i feel like it's entirely different project yeah hard to hard to say but that's interesting i didn't know all of that backstory about him being that involved in it by mid 2019 who walks in robert pattinson (laughs) so um he wasn't actually the the only one to be interested in the role so it was robert pattinson uh nicholas holt Army Hammer, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, they were all interested in replacing Ben Affleck as Batman. Matt Reeves had Pattinson as his number one choice after seeing his performance in 2017's Good Time. Whoa! That was cool because Whoa. for oh. me, that was the movie that changed my perception of Robert Pattinson. Mm, mm. So it's cool that that was kind of the same deal for him. 
that is that is cool that is really cool that's funny because uh i can appreciate that performance since you recommended that to me we haven't covered that <laughs> but that was separate i think that was due to the fact that i had such an appreciation for pattinson after um tenet so you were like you liked him in that have you seen him in this though so i saw good times yeah after you told me about that i saw it and i was like oh snap that's a that that movie's intense and it's yes, a pretty awesome film i, I feel like it's it's, it's one of those artsy movies but um that shit hits hard <laughs> it's like artsy like let them know what, what do you mean by artsy that movie is like uh the way that it's it's shot and the way that the the atmosphere is kind of presented i feel like it's a lot different than other movies out there i think maybe that's why i'm such a big fan of the a24 movies in general typically is because a lot of those movies just kind of seem like high budget indie films if you will like i don't know how to describe it but a lot of them seem like it's not you know it's definitely not masquerading as like some blockbuster movie but sure they got some uh cool shit coming out right right it's funny it's like it's like yeah there's so much you know those these kinds of art films don't really get backed by those kinds of big uh production companies so pattinson was he was matt reeves number one choice but Pattinson himself was actually reluctant to take the role. What I thought was was something important to note was that he finally accepted the role and he was cast as Batman. There was an overwhelming backlash from many Batman fans. And I remember this personally. I remember even questioning it myself. I was like, really? They're going to choose Robert Pattinson as Batman? Don't get me wrong. I like Robert Pattinson, but... I did not really see him as Batman, especially kind of being this gritty and and badass Batman character, you know, this brooding character. I'm like, sure, he, you know, he was brooding in Twilight, but it's it's a different style movie altogether, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's almost like this gatekeeper mentality <laughs> with a character so beloved like Batman, you know, mm-hmm. like people only want the cream of the crop, the best of the best to play this character. They don't want to take any risks. They want to only have the uh, the big names and um, no one else would do. Like, do you remember this backlash yourself? You know, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I, I, I didn't really see much uh, about this backlash. All I know is that when I heard that, I just remember thinking like, oh, perfect. This is this is going to be interesting. This would be cool. I, I'm glad for more than anything else. I just thought, saw this as an opportunity for him to shine. That's all. I was like, okay, well. Let's see, because I mean, you can't do much. You, you can't. I don't know. It's, it's been all over the place with these different performances. Mm-hmm. So you knew from the get go he was going to do great. I was hoping he would just with the gravitas he brings to uh, at least a good times and to a few other performances he has. I, I've seen him in rather. Um, yeah, I, I had a feeling that he would he would knock it out of the park. I, fig- I figured he could own it. And in my opinion, he did. Christian Bell actually publicly supported Pattinson wow. as Batman. So he um, he went on record to to speak out directly to Pattinson and tell him to ignore the critics. And he brought up how there was a similar backlash when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker for The Dark Knight. And I remember mm. that as well. <laughs> I remember everyone was like, "What the fuck? Are you serious? You're gonna have you're gonna follow up the masterpiece." of Jack Nicholson's Joker <laughs> with Heath 
fucking ledger who has like not proved himself in any capacity that he can play this role like knight's tale that what that guy that guy but you know it's similar situation it's like you someone stepping out of that comfort zone um breaking the mold Mm -hmm. and and challenging themselves you know like really stepping up to the plate to prove everyone wrong and now you look at it in hindsight a lot of people including me think that's the best depiction of joker so far it's true and it's funny they both started off as teen heartthrobs (laughs) Heath ledger and and pattinson Mm -hmm. that's right when uh, Christian Bell brought that up, I was like, that's exactly the same situation. You know, you, you had someone that was stepping into this high profile role that everyone had a ton of high expectations for. And he knocked out of the park. And I, you know, I feel like Robert Pattinson, he he did the same thing. He brought his he brought his own Batman to this this character. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to do something along the same lines as everyone else. I feel like he he was still mm-hmm. able to add his own flair to it. And it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Another thing to note in this movie, because I, I felt like I really appreciate this aspect of the film was the designs, the, the various designs of the film. So Matt Reeves had a clear vision about the bat suit, the Batmobile the bat cave you know like what it would all look like and um you know before the script uh was even finished and he really wanted the the three to kind of reflect each other and i I felt like it's it's pretty cool because thinking back when i watched the movie i was like yeah it's i almost feel like it's kind of cohesive like it all Mm -hmm. kind of uh, flows together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. granted this bat cave is you don't really see as much of it. It's almost like a mechanic garage. It does. Yeah, it does have that feel. But then again, that Batmobile does suit it. Then it's mm-hmm. like just like this kind of put together, kind of mashed. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what Reeves wanted. Frankenstein so he, looking thing. He wanted the Batsuit to be practical and feel as if Batman almost used like spare parts to kind of piece it together. So that goes along with what you're saying, mm-hmm. like Frankenstein okay. together. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like this uh, sleek design necessarily, but it was functional. It got the job done. And I think more importantly, it was it allowed him to be mobile because, mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you see like a stupid cow where it's like you, you have to move your whole torso <laughs> to look left and right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I think that's cool too because there have there were so many complaints from all the previous actors who had played Batman that had to wear the cowl. How it just was it was hard to perform with that on. So to make it to work that into the story to where it was more just like the, this Frankenstein kind of suit mm-hmm. gave them leeway to be able to make that more flexible. So it's easier for the actor to yeah got to do in costume. So what did you think of the cast for this movie? Because obviously we've touched on Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne Batman, but what about the other people in the movie. Mm. What did you think of them? I thought I, I really liked the cast. I liked every everybody that they chose. I'm not sure they all performed well uh, up to their capabilities. Hmm. I'm not sure what kind of script they were handed either and maybe what limitations. I, I'm not sure what got left on the editing floor, so to speak, as well, uh, where maybe there's there were scenes that they could have shined in more. Um, was there anyone specific, like any character that you thought was kind of weak? Yeah, yeah, uh, Gordon, Gordon's character, Ooh, okay. uh, the actor that played Gordon, he is phenomenal. Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. Jeffrey Wright, mm-hmm. yeah, no, he is, he's amazing. I, I've seen him in a few things. The one for me that that really sold me on his his acting chops was um, Westworld. For me, oh, okay. his performance in Westworld is, it's just been. Amazing. Uh, I, I I say it's been. I never finished the series, but what I did see, I really liked. 
from from him. So I was expecting some some dope performances from him. Unfortunately, wasn't he also in the Daniel Craig James Bond movies? I think you, yeah, you might have mentioned that to me before uh, outside of this podcast, and I that kind of. Mm. I was like, I was like, whoa, wait, what? No, I have to go back and watch those. Then, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thought he was amazing. I mean, Casino Royale, like that's just a classic. I never get tired of going back and watching that movie. No. So if nothing else, he was in that movie. So talk to me, goose. You don't even necessarily have to check out the rest, dude. Mads, I'm, a, I just can't say enough about Mads Mikkelsen. That guy's mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, I, I do need to go back and watch it. Definitely got to. And Jeffrey Wright, you said has a good performance in there. And then, well, I guess that's that's a little bit of a spoiler, it, a light spoiler, because mm. that doesn't really explain the plot. But it's just he's in there somewhere <laughs> in some capacity. Oh, OK. But what do you think of uh, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman? Oh, man, I, th- I thought she was phenomenal. I thought she killed it for sure. She was up there with Michelle Pfeiffer, in my opinion. Yeah, that was pretty damn good. It was almost like a hybrid. It was it was huh. like not quite Michelle Pfeiffer, but not quite Halle Berry. It was like right in the middle. Yeah, it was her own. It was her own steez. It was her own stilo. She had she had a she had it going uh, going pretty well. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was sold. I was like, yeah, she she killed it. I was actually impressed with just her delivery and, and everything. Well, for me, the there was two standouts in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. So obviously, uh, Paul Dano. Is it Dano or Dano? I think Paul it's Dano. Dano. No, Dano. Yeah. So Paul Dano. As Edward Nashton slash yeah. the Riddler, he did fucking great. Oh, Obviously, I, I feel like it's it's a lot of fun when y- you kind of get to be unhinged and you don't you can let loose, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so, man, he he fucking goes out in this movie. Oh, he does, does a great job. Oh, Paul Dano is just uh, great. He's just <laughs> fucking great. And he's so unassuming. I remember seeing the cast ahead of time before I went in the movie, and I'm like. I was like, isn't that the dude from Girl Next Door? The heck? And he was like a super, super nerdy kid in that movie. I Actually, I feel like he's typically typecast as just like this wimpy nerdy kid. Oh, he well. He kind of has that look. But in this one, he he takes that to a different level. He's got that. But have you have you seen There Will Be Blood? Mm-mm. Oh, damn. that That's the one for sure. You, you see him in that. You'll be a believer too. Um, he's, nice. I mean, you already, you already get it. He's, he's one of his generation's best for sure. Uh, there's another performance that he did though in that movie with um, Hugh Jackman and I believe Jake Gyllenhaal. That movie will kind of destroy you. <laughs> I remember we were watching. I was watching. Those are with, all the best movies, right? I was watching it with a buddy and when uh, there came a point somebody walked in uh what our other roommate walked in and it was like oh thank god <laughs> we <were> like, <laughs> it was like halfway through the film and they walked in and so we had to pause it and we were like oh my god thank he just he just took the tension it was the, the tension was building and building and ratcheting up and just your it's that your guts were just like just being wrenched rent from your body uh, the so movie, you almost needed a break from the movie. It was so we, intense. I didn't even know. I was like, dude, I've never done that before. Taking a break in the middle of a movie like that. Unless it was an intermission. In the like middle of a scene or too. Right in the middle of a scene. Uh, but it was yeah. just like, oh gosh, okay. We brought some levity to the situation because our roommate was pretty funny. So we just started chopping it up with him for a couple minutes. Grab some water. We're like, are you ready, dude? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm like, all right, here we go, dude. Yeah, hit the reset. Got to go in there with play knowing, okay, what just happened? Yeah, some pretty heavy shit just happened. This movie's called Prisoners. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
prisoners. Yeah, I feel like we were just talking about that. Oh, dude, uh, not too long ago, right? In yeah, last recording. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where are we? Oh, okay. I remember talking about it. At, I thought it was at work. I, I remember talking. Oh, to you about I, it. yeah, it might have been at work. But but yeah, that movie like gave me an uh, an entirely new respect for for Paul Dano. I I hadn't seen There Will Be Blood. I, I totally forgot he was in that movie. That's oh, crazy. Dude, yeah, he's I, the I, one, I need to go back dude. and watch that movie. Oh man, he's the he kills it. He just yeah. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> he makes that movie. Yeah, he's been in some he's been in some movies. So when I saw his name in the cast and I didn't I don't know if I even knew he was actually cast as the Riddler. I just knew, wow, he's going to kill it. I, he's going to be a, a great in whatever he does. Uh, my other standout was uh, Colin Farrell, of course, but we'll <laughs> we'll get into that a little later <laughs> in the episode. OK, um, yeah. And what you're going back to the Riddler, it's it, it's interesting because we were already introduced to the character in a live action form with Jim Carrey. Right. So. I think a lot of people kind of thought that it was going to be, you know, not too far from that, you know, maybe less campy in some way, but still (laughs) kind of goofy. Uh But this is entirely different from that. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen there there was a there was a a strangeness, a a darkness in Carrie's performance, for sure. Uh, I'll never forget the scene at the end when he's gone entirely crazy and he's in that padded cell. And they're, oh, yeah. they're like, you know, well, tell us, you know, you say, you know, who's Batman? Who's Batman? Like the Riddler would be the one to figure it out. Right. And then of all course, of a sudden yeah. he says, I'll tell you who's Batman. And he looks in the window at them and then he steps back and he's like, I'm Batman. And he starts. And doesn't he start his, flapping, he starts yeah, flapping his arms? His arms. But there was like. <laughs> It wasn't, it was like kind of funny when he said it, but it's just in the, it's just dark and he's like laughing, but then it turns into kind of like a cry or a whimper. And it's just, it kind of cuts through it. Like, Ooh, it's unsettling for sure. So, um, I felt like, uh, un- before him, any, the other performances, I think, I guess would be just from the sixties, uh, Batman. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. It was, Which was it also was, campy. It was so campy. Right. So any performance up until Dano's. Uh, it seemed mostly campy and with a little that's all that's all we've ever seen yeah of the riddler you know going in what were your your initial thoughts when seeing the the trailers for the film like even before you saw the movie what (laughs) would you think of it oh i was stoked i just saw um which ended up being i think one of my favorite scenes at least action wise uh where he's fighting these dudes in the dark uh Robert Pattinson is the Batman and as he's fighting them, they're shooting him and it, they're shooting at him and it's in the dark. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's like flashes. pitch black. It's doing, all, you, all you're getting are muzzle flashes. So it's got this strobe mm-hmm. effect where within, in between those shots, you're, you're, there's this movement. Um, That's cool. And so it's like just freeze frames, just boom, 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 boom. Uh, almost like a, a moving picture within a moving picture, so to speak. And the way that they edited it, it was almost kind of like to the rhythm of like a song, right? Like oh. the whatever background music they had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's cool. I, you know, if you get the right person to edit a trailer mm-hmm. for the movie, man, you can make the movie seem way cooler than what it actually is. I've, I've even seen it in reverse where you have a cool movie, but you just had a really shitty movie trailer guy and or girl. And um, they almost butchered the excitement, you know, for me. And then I finally, maybe once the the movie's been released to video, I go back and watch it. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. And then I'm surprised, you know, but mm. it's, it's almost like the trailer makes it or breaks it for some people. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I've, I've, 
I've waffled at times said, you know, I won't watch the trailer. Oh, if I like the movie, I'm not going to watch the trailer. And then there, so up until more recently, I've kind of been adhering to that. But, you know, with that, with that trailer, I was kind of curious. And I think actually you're the one who mentioned it to me that it was out. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a look. I want to check it out and see what they do. And uh, I was not not um what is the word not disappointed i was gonna say betrayed (laughs) i was not betrayed no it was good it was good that's that's very poetic right i was not betrayed uh but you (laughs) how about you what were you what were your thoughts when you saw the trailer i thought it was cool i i was definitely interested because um i'm already in the camp of i'm i'm pro robert panson i i think he's a he's a very talented actor and this is you know this is me seeing him back in harry potter even saw him first jump out of that tree <laughs> and and he just leapt right into our hearts you know? <laughs> I, I just felt like that was gonna go there nice nicely done That's funny. but um i'm a zoe kravitz fan as well so that wasn't gonna keep me from seeing the movie but i was against ben affleck being batman <laughs> so that was kind of interesting in and of itself was the fact that ben affleck stepped out of the role when he was initially going to play Batman and direct and write or whatever, I wasn't really all that interested in seeing the movie. I was probably going to skip it, honestly, without even checking it out, Same. which is, you know, that's not really fair to him because it, it could have been an awesome movie. But that would have just been my my bias against him, I guess. I like the fact that this was kind of a soft reboot, so it wasn't it wasn't exactly like this origin story that you're used to seeing. It's just like, okay, you know, we've seen that we've been there, done that. So let's just start from a couple years in, you know, at this point of the movie, uh, yeah, he's only, he's only been in the cowl for what, like two years. And he's kind of building his relationship with the Gotham city police department and officer James Gordon and all that. I think what really drew me in was that atmosphere because I just really felt that they nailed that Gotham City atmosphere. I think more so than the rest of the the movies that I've seen personally. <laughs> um, I, I just feel like there was something in The Dark Knight Rises that I just hated. So they showed Gotham during the day and it just looks like a regular city. It doesn't to me. I was like, oh, he's in like chicago or something you know it, it didn't feel like gotham city but in this one it very much felt like the gotham city of the comics brought to life mm. i don't know how to describe it but mm. it was that atmosphere they just nailed it yeah i thought so too they're able to portray the the darker tones of a city so it wasn't just hey let's just film this urban area at night they they really dressed it up they had the graffiti they had the creepiness about it you know the uneasiness the it, how, kind of how broke down Gotham kind of mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know. And you could really see the need for someone like like a Batman. Yeah, exactly. To come in, clean things up, see how corrupt everything is. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. With um, like early on in the film, it was what I thought was a bit odd was the fact that the Riddler, you know, this was after he already killed the commissioner. I believe it's the commissioner, right? In the movie? Yeah, yeah, in the fancy house. I wasn't sure if that was him or if that was the mayor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so it's the mayor. And then um, he leaves, like, his calling card is, it's, like, quite literally almost like a get well card, but he writes, like, riddles inside of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's blank inside. Of course, you know, Batman's the only one that can decode this riddle mm-hmm. because Everyone in GCPD are incompetent idiots. <laughs> right. They're just like, oh, it's words on a page. I don't know what this means. What do we do? 
Yeah, it was. Do you feel like it was weird kind of seeing everyone, the police department, so against Batman early on? Because we're so used to seeing them working closely with him, right? Right, right. No, that's a that's a good point. And actually, that that's interesting that you brought that up because that was what was running through my mind just now. Was this was the first time watching any Batman movie that I really got a I really started to think when when they said he's a freak, it was like you know you get you don't let him in here. He's a freak. I was like wow, let's just like, let me see it from their perspective for a second. They're looking at (laughs) just another guy, another Mm -hmm. person just like them who decides to dress himself this way and decides Mm -hmm. to try to solve crimes. He's an amateur, you know, technically speaking. He's an amateur. He has no other... He hasn't even proved himself Right. There's no, There's no no certifications. He certainly didn't get trained in in a police department like all these other guys did. He's just a dude, just filled with anger and just wants to inflict in their I'm trying to see from their perspective right so it's like mm-hmm. he's going to come in and this guy who dresses this way who chooses to dress himself this way hide his identity all that who the fuck Purposely does he think stand out and strike fear right. in his enemies who the fuck does he think he is to come in here <laughs> and then tell us how to do our job you know we have to yeah. answer to the commissioner ultimately but we have the chain of command and this guy is above the law somehow this guy doesn't have to answer to anybody else and we're using his help like i could i began to see it differently i began to see it like whoa this guy really you've heard him talked about as a vigilante but he's always just hailed as like a hero but this was the first time again where it was like (laughs) people didn't there's only one person who was in his corner and that was gordon everybody else was Mm. just like this guy's a freaking weirdo and even gordon at this point i think was still kind of hesitant but you know he was he was starting to warm up to batman already and so, you know, he's bringing him along on these cases and and kind of getting his perspective on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was it was interesting because, yeah, I was also thinking it from their perspective and they look at him and just see this goth guy in leather pretending to be this man bat. And we're supposed to trust this guy and take him seriously. <laughs> right. This <laughs> like, man bat. And we're going to put out this big spotlight in the sky with a shape that looks like a Batman to, or bat to, to, to call Vaguely. him. Like this is, this is all what the heck, you know, this is weird. Why? why? <laughs> he's going to tell us how to, again, he's going to tell us how to do our jobs, but they, they, it goes to show in this that he, because he's gotten a, he's not tied down to any one particular one person. He He's only after his own interests really, which are of course mm. what he perceives as the interests, the better interests of Gotham. Um, he's not bribable, uh, if that isn't even, <laughs> is even a word. Um, so he, he can be objective, whereas some of those police officers were corrupt. Yeah, they do need him. Yeah. Initially at the beginning of the movie, he kills the mayor. And then, uh, his second victim is the commissioner. So after the commissioner kind of chews out Gordon and Batman and is like, get the hell out of here. You don't belong mm-hmm. here. Um, then the Riddler comes after the commissioner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when he leaves another card. But this time he leaves it specifically for Batman because he knows that Batman's on the case. And I, I think he kind of it's almost like a cat and mouse game. Like he he sees that, oh, there's a little bit extra challenge here. And I think that's exciting to the Riddler. Yeah, well. I mean, I, I don't know how, how far this goes back, but in the end of the movie, he talks about how basically he planned this all out. So it's it's possible that he actually, from the very beginning, was expecting Batman to get involved. Hmm. And he already knew who Batman was. Remember? He's trying to goad him in. He's goading okay. him. Yeah, exactly. He, he, 
he, I think he's known since the very beginning of starting this whole thing that he's Bruce Wayne. I think he does. And he's just because mm-hmm. he's trying to get vengeance on him. So he's luring him in. But then he wants him to help the whole, you know, the, everything at the very end that comes out was he wanted him in on this plan to take part in it together. They were going to. True. Yeah. And it's almost like if had Batman never gotten involved, I wonder if every, anything else would have escalated because he kind of needed his help. Right. Right. Exactly. He did need his help very much so. If people didn't play his game, I wonder if he would he would have just given up on it and started over or something like or thought of a different game to play to try to get the Batman involved. Right. But he knew just how to play him. He knew just how to play him. So uh, uh, because he knows him he, so he well. He thought of him as an equal. Like he he was trying to recruit him by having him go along with these these riddles and, uh, you know, try to piece the puzzle together. See if uh, he can he can match up to me. Right, right. To his uh, intelligence. It's just there's something, I don't know, there's something that, that that's so rare to be understood, right? There's mm-hmm. something so appealing, um, especially when this it's somebody who's as intellectual as the Riddler is, to then find somebody who, again, in this sea of other people, no one else was able to solve these riddles except for Batman. So to, to be understood, and it seemed like he was doing somebody. it r- relatively easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's like he thought about it for like two seconds. Was like, oh yeah, I know what the, what he's talking about. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it's like, what's funny about that too, in a twisted way, is that Batman himself is tickled by the riddles. He likes the puzzles. <laughs> what does that say about him? I don't know. It's just kind of tricky. Yeah. Like he's trying to he's trying to pre- he's trying to solve this. But it's uh, it's definitely and this in and of itself is a different take on Batman because you you see early on that they're focusing more on the the murder mystery the detective work it's like you actually get to see him work with the the police and and scope out these scenes and try to piece it all together and actually get frustrated like he was he was getting frustrated by some of these riddles because he's like man like I can't figure this out. Mm-hmm. And he even has Alfred help him early on, you know, Andy Serkis as Alfred Pennyworth. Right. It was pretty cool. I mean, it you know, shows that Alfred's also quite intelligent himself. And raised Bruce through his adolescence and into who the man who he is at that Maybe point. in a lot of ways, you know, he was the one that, that uh, taught Batman everything he knows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems that some of that self-defense training came from him. Did you think that um it was a little convenient how they figured all that out though because they're like well let's let's take a picture of this because it was almost like a crossword type of thing and then they're like let's just look at the negatives and then it spells drive and so that immediately leads them to the garage where they find the car and there's like a knife in the tire and then they um batman is like you know you're kind of looking through the car and and gordon's like you know what are we supposed to be looking for and he said uh like a usb port because he believed that there was going to be a thumb drive. And sure enough, there was a thumb drive. <laughs> Quite literally, it oh was like a God. thumb yeah. attached yeah. to the drive. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of a nice pun. I did appreciate that. Yeah, it got a chuckle out of me. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a little... Uh... A little that's a little campy, a little cheesy, but I thought, okay, well, not too not too campy more than just I was just like, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. It almost shows the humor and the the sick humor that the Riddler has. Yeah. He thought it it would have been like a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did think that just the drive leading them to the car was a little bit of a stretch. 
Yeah, drive the exactly. Yeah, I thought that there were there were that that was my gripe with all of these riddles was just kind of how they how kind of how they were solved. Some of them, hmm. like with Gordon, it just felt like he was just parroting back everything Batman would say after he'd be like he'd say something he'd be like, <laughs> "You mean so? It's so and so said this? Uh, uh, what? Uh, what did he say? Had to do with the uh, bird? Or no, no, no. What was it? The pigeon?" Like, and somehow they got to... Oh, like a rat with wings? Yeah, like a rat with wings. Like, I don't know. It was just the, the repetition. I was like, he just he's just repeating everything Batman says. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? You mean that? That's That, that, that kind of got... Just reiterating. Um, yeah, they just kept happening. I was like, it's, one, it's like when somebody says... If somebody repeats a word when they're talking, then it suddenly becomes distracting. So when I noticed it, when I noticed that he was asking those questions... It drew me out of the narrative. It kind of like made me go, oh, wait a second. That's happened mm. already. And then I was like, will it happen again? Is this a pattern? And sure enough, it was a pattern. It was like he would just keep doing it. Yeah. And that's why I was like, no, Jeffrey Wright, you're, you're, this is not you. You're better than this. You're better than this, bro. <laughs> I know. Please. Oh, you know, this brings me to the second standout role. Oh, yeah. The Colin Farrell as Oswald Oz cobblepot also known as the penguin yeah yeah that was phenomenal that was that was truly the breakout role for me and, and total sh- shocker for me it was it was i was texting uh mena actually afterwards and no 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 was it you i mean it might have been you i don't know you were just like yeah some somebody said colin farrell and i was like what and i immediately looked it up that's who that was and sure enough, it was. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because I was just like, dude, the Penguin. Whoever played the Penguin? I've never seen that actor before. He killed it. It was just, yeah, he was. He had role. such charisma on screen. It was like that whole scene when he's in his own little uh, in his own little room in, in, in his club. And Batman's mm-hmm. like in, trying to like intimidate him. And he is completely unintimidated. He's just like. Oh, yeah. he, uh, he totally just turns it around on him. You yeah, know? yeah. He's just laughing it off almost. I went into the movie knowing that was Colin Farrell. Oh. The whole movie, I could not tell that was him. I'm like, for all someone could have said, like, hey, we played a joke on you. It's uh, it's actually someone else entirely, and I would have believed it because I don't see Colin Farrell at all when I watch this movie. That's how good of a role he did. Yeah. Oh dude, I with all the prosthetics, I feel like he was just he was really feeling it. Oh dude, he yeah, it was kinda like <laughs> you t- you mentioned all the prosthetics. It's, it kind of reminds me of Tom Cruise's Tropic Thunder performance. Did you ever exactly. see right? Where you're just Again, like, you have no idea him. He was the best part of that movie. Like, you know, that, that whole... <laughs> it was good. I don't know. Yeah, I, in that fat suit. Yeah, exactly. He, exactly. He would only pop up like every now and then in Tropic Thunder, but he was always, in my opinion, I, I felt like he was the best part of the movie. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I thought so too. But yeah, a lot of... A lot of ways, uh, I would say it was pretty similar to that. Yeah, but just Colin Farrell has this has this swagger he's always he's just in every role he's ever had it always feels like he's got this swagger mm-hmm. um the recruit i remember watching that him him and al pacino and i thought that was badass he just was so cool i mean hell the first thing i ever saw him in was uh was actually with tom cruise in minority report oh okay so i remember watching that and he didn't even have a british accent in that one which is interesting again <laughs> he's playing like this chicagoan Italian kind of mafioso type dude. Yeah, exactly. In, in he movie, he definitely felt like a mobster. Yeah. yeah, and he's just got again. That's why it was 
it blew me away. I was not at all. I was like, dang, with his eyebrows and everything, like he just had this way about him. And I he was had like, like his rings on his like yes, fat fingers and everything. Fingers, yeah. <laughs> and just, just. It's almost to the point where those rings ain't coming off. Like they're those are permanent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to cut those off. <laughs> yeah, he was. But seriously, his performance was hilarious at times, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he definitely brought some some levity to it. But so cool. What I thought was kind of strange was not long after the whole penguin introduction in, at the Iceberg Lounge, his nightclub, was that we find out that Selena Kyle works there. She's a waitress, and Batman he notices that she reacts when she sees the photo because you know, he's Batman's interrogating penguin about um, uh, what's her name? Annika. Right. And so Selena, when she sees the photo, she kind of has like a, a slight reaction and Batman noticed it. So he was like, hmm, I wonder if she knows something. I felt like it was kind of strange how easily he followed her home. And then he was able to like spy on the whole city, the whole entire apartment from like the very front door to like the bedroom is like nothing but windows apparently. And you can see every single thing going on. And I actually thought that was the Riddler at first because he's spying on them as the Riddler was spying on the mayor at the very beginning, like the opening moments of the movie. So I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that, you know, it, they, they kind of have some similarities in that respect. They like spying on people. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought it was funny, though, that she was able to be so easily tracked, like you were saying before. She she didn't have, like, any sense of, like, awareness around her, you know, especially because she seems so uh, skillful and, I don't know, I almost feel like street smart in a way, but she she didn't think that working around such high-profile people and such dangerous people that she needs to watch her back <laughs> at all. Yeah, exactly. She's never no, she's never going to get got somehow. Got to. Uh, by the way, I did not like Catwoman's modified ski mask. To me, that's that what I was going to say. That 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 bothered me so much because I was like, <laughs> so she's going to have this whole outfit. It's like skin tight. It's like it's the rest like of it is fine from her. the neck down. So it's fine. It's good. It's like yeah. It, it seems like it's highly detailed and all this other stuff, but but then she's going to go and throw like what looks to be like a cotton like ski mask that just covers only a little bit of her face. I was like I was like you don't think they're going to figure out who you are? Are you serious? Especially cuz the people it's she almost was like fighting. She couldn't figure out how to put a ski mask on so she's like, "Oh, I'm just going to leave it like this. I can see this way. It's fine." It's like she cut the like a, the face out of the ski mask and then just like she got the the youth version so like it couldn't fit over her head so she's uh-huh. like well i'm just gonna wear it like this so yeah, it just yeah, like yeah. goes like under her nose and that's it yeah yeah exactly just under okay what's, what's going on <laughs> yeah i thought that was uh they, they could have done something better i almost felt like it would have been better if she just went like full ski mask right seriously seriously it, just, it bugged me every time i saw it, i just couldn't take her seriously i'm like man that mask looks stupid yeah it was dumb yeah, uh, I did not approve of that at all. Oh, side note, though, uh, one thing that uh, I learned later, sorry, going back actually to what you were saying before about how Batman and Riddler watched people, what mm-hmm. uh, what one of our coworkers said, uh, Stephen, what he said was, he's like, oh, I'm going to go back and watch it again, because evidently um, one of the Easter eggs is that in every scene that Batman's in, uh, the the Riddler is somewhere in the scene watching him. What? Yeah. Really? Now I don't know huh. which. I don't know if that's every single scene or if that's on in scenes where he's going to a crime scene. That might be more more specifically. Yeah, that I think that's more like what it is. Every crime scene that Batman goes to, the Riddler is watching him and is visible somewhere in the shot. 
like so a he's, Waldo. he's in the room with Batman in yeah. some capacity. That is at least what the rumor was. That was what he was wanting to go watch the movie for. Again, he's like, oh, there's a whole sorts of Easter eggs, and that's that's one of them. I thought, oh, How funny cool. would it be if, like, so you're like, you go back to that initial crime scene, the one with the mayor, and then it's like panning around the room, and he sees the that little like floor tool with the blood, and he he's looking around like, hmm. And then just if you freeze frame it in the back, there's like the curtain and you just see like his feet sticking out of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and like no one knew he was there. <laughs> For all their like great detective work and their, their flashlights going across the room. And they never once like glanced across and saw those shoes there and wondered like, is someone standing in those or are they just. His, his breath is pushing the curtain away. But he's still looking at them with those wide eyes and those glasses like. <laughs> <laughs> but his feet are there and you know pans down to his feet <laughs> and he like moves them he like shifts his feet uncomfortably oh man that'd be terrible but also i feel like that would be awesome at the same time i, I agree i agree if it was even if it was cheesy like that what did you think of batman's voice like this was such a big deal with the christopher nolan batman's was like christian bale's guttural voice that he used a lot of people were just shitting on that and i felt like Robert Panson kind of has something similar to that in this film. Hmm. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was something similar, maybe less screamy. Yeah. Where's it? But, um, putting yourself in the position of, okay, here, here, you're dealing with a Batman now, right? You don't want to just sound like every other dude. You're not, I'm not going to come to him and be like, Hey dude, stop. You know what I mean? Like you're going to want to, it's like, Oh, that's an, that's an, that's dress another it up dude. A bit, huh? Right. You want to dress it up a bit. Cause I mean, like it's just another dude. If you only, if you just hear his voice sounding like our voices sound right now, but if it's like a little more gruff, it's a little bit more aggressive. It's a little, goes back to mm-hmm. that whole, uh, limbic. It, it evokes a sort of limbic response. It goes back to the ancient part of the brain where you just, it, you, you've experienced that raw, <laughs> it's intimidating, right? That raw, that growl, that that uh, caveman type of thing, where you're just like, oh shit, That's I don't know why I'm freaked voice. out, but I'm freaked the fuck out right now. This guy is, dude, I'm freaked out with you just doing that voice, right? <laughs> Sorry, you had to see me that way. You know, I as much as I hate to admit it. I do think because I, I'm not the Ben Affleck Batman fan, I still think Affleck's Batman voice was probably the one that made the most sense to me. Hmm. And the reason for that is because it involves some sort of like distortion from the suit's technology. So Ben Affleck is talking normally. Oh, He doesn't have to, to physically change the tone of his voice or anything. It's the suit that's like distorting it interesting and to me that just seems the most logical and the most likely especially coming from batman who's so tech heavy um and tech reliant it just seems like something bruce wayne would have been into you know something that's more down his alley right right i mean i guess at that point though yeah i i think that would have been wise to come up with then again this being a sort of origin story he's figuring that shit out too whereas that batman who's facing superman is already pretty like experienced um therefore maybe has already thought about okay well i've been doing this for a while with my regular voice i should probably actually disguise it with some sort of technology but be that as it may i 100 percent agree why the fuck are you gonna be using your regular voice in an age when we have these like soundboards and shit where like people back in the day would, would actually use a soundboard to call somebody or not even a soundboard it was like a microphone you could speak through and be like what's your yeah. favorite scary movie you know what i mean like actually exactly. use the voice of the exactly. dude from scream so i'm like mm, come on 
Yeah, come on. When is this taking place? Get with the times, man. Get with. You have all this other cool technology, but you can't come up with that. Yeah. Now that we're we're on the the topic of technology, I do want to mention that probably some of the the coolest tech that I've seen out of all the Batman's was that little contact lens recorder like camera that he had. I thought it was pretty cool. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I thought that was cool too, actually. Because he ends up giving that to Selena, right? So that way um, she can use her her status as an employee to infiltrate the the deeper depths of the Iceberg Lounge, like the the very secluded areas where all the the powerful people hang out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he can he can see everything she sees, and and uh, he can even record it with that contact lens that she's wearing. Right. I thought that. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was really cool, and wasn't a really big stretch because there've been. There's been technology um, like something akin to that where I don't know about recording, but I know that for a while there in the uh, major league in major league baseball, there was a period of time, maybe 15 years ago or so, maybe maybe longer, maybe 20 years ago, where they mm-hmm. were um, this thing hadn't been banned yet. It was brand new. But these contact lenses that players could wear um, would allow them to it would basically cut down the lights of the stadium so oh, they no could way. see a little bit more okay. it would, wouldn't look quite as harsh in the light so you could see the ball better but mm-hmm. the that was to be able to enable them to see the ball in the air a little better um without the lights bothering them as much and then the other thing was there was color in it it was it kind of looked intimidating too if you ever get a chance to check <laughs> it out what it looked like it was cool okay. but the it was also had some red in it to help them pick up the seams of the baseball so they could see Oh, baseball. when it was I'm released, really thinking football. Oh yeah, no. When it when it was released from the pitcher's hand, they could see exactly what they could basically get a, a better grasp of what kind of pitch was coming their way by looking at the seams oh, of the okay. baseball to see is it a curveball, is it a fastball, you know that kind of thing. The way technology is these days, it's not so it's not unbelievable that that kind of thing could could happen. Sure. So I thought that yeah. that was really really cool. I wonder how it charges because I feel like <laughs> you just take it off and you just put it in the little contact case and that's pretty much it. Like you don't ever have to like uh, hook anything up to it, you know? Right, right. No, that's 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 a good point. Like, yeah. What if it charging? draws energy from like body heat or whatever? Mm. Yeah, that could I be. I could see that. And what is it? How does it transport what's being recorded? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to to talk about that collar explosive the scene at the the funeral so this was for the mayor his funeral right who oh so after the da flirts with selena he goes out and gets abducted by the riddler in his car so the da shows back up by storming through this building in a car almost runs some people over i don't know if he actually did run anyone over but i think he's trying to kind of avoid people as much as possible mm. he just like crashes the the car inside of this uh church and I, I think uh, Bruce Wayne is already attending. He's he's attending as just his regular self, Bruce Wayne, not as Batman. And so he goes down there because everyone else is kind of scared. They're like, "What the hell's going on? You got this uh, this like su- uh, kamikaze guy that's just like driving through the building, you know, <laughs> uh, trying to commit suicide." And then um, it turns out that it's DA Coulson that comes out, and he has this collar that's also an explosive around his neck. Right. This is where the Riddler wants Batman to help Coulson solve three riddles to unlock the device. And Coulson is too scared to solve the final riddle himself. And uh, time runs out. Doesn't he come back as Batman? Because he's in in his suit, I think, when he's talking to the DA, right? 
he's uh yeah he comes back he actually that's when he starts talking to the da because until then when when the whole crash happens he was still bruce wayne and mm. he, he pushed that child out of the way saved that boy from getting hit <laughs> i thought he just pushed him to be a jerk he's all uh, oh shoot people are looking <laughs> <laughs> oh, he even picks him up and dusts him off. He's like, "Oh, get up, little boy!" He's like, Sorry. "Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a tough little dude. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, yeah, go on. Fuck out of my I face." I do want to say that Batman here, when Coulson fails to solve the final riddle, time runs out, it blows up. Batman straight up takes a point blank explosion to the face, right to the and dome. it knocks his ass out. I'm like, dude, he his face would have been blown off. Yeah. But all it does is apparently it just knocks him out. That's exactly what I said. I leaned over to my girlfriend and I was just like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> I was like, "He's." I, I would have believed away. it if he just if he attempted to like run away and maybe like hit him in the back or something. But um, facing the bomb, he was basically like face to face with this collar oh. when it blows up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What?" I mean, have you? Did I ask you this already? Have you seen the movie um, Hurt Locker? I haven't. Okay. Mm-hmm. First scene. But that is about uh, someone that defuses bombs, right? Precisely. And so as you can imagine, there are instances where, or there is at least one instance where a bomb goes off and it's just over. It's it's <laughs> just the explosion, the concussive explosion just ends you. It just, your organs, yeah. all of it just boosh, obliterated inside your body. So him just taking that one on the chin <laughs> like that, wearing that suit, I was like, what in his face? <laughs> yeah. No burn marks or anything. He's, he's completely intact. He right. just got knocked unconscious. Right. But the other dude gone, his head's who knows where. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the Riddler did that intending not to kill him though, either. Remember it's all to get him to this point. We're going to be in here. You're going to figure it out. We're going to be in this insane asylum and together we'll watch these explosions go off. The town's going to get flooded. <laughs> Fuck them. Maybe he, the Riddler expected Batman to to run away before it blew up, but he was like, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. He took that one. Because he was standing. Wasn't he like standing? Uh... No, no, no. Never mind. That was different. That was when he was still different Bruce scene. Wayne. Yeah. The thing, though, I, I guess maybe it, this could also be a stretch, but maybe it's some sort of like directional bomb. So maybe it's kind of like a, a oh. claymore where it like blows up instead of forward. I could see that. I, don't know. I could see that. And that maybe. That, yeah, I could imagine that being the case, too. Um, it was just focused like an almost like an implosion. The cops take him back to the precinct, right? Or like the police department. And they're just deciding what to do with them. They're just kind of surrounding him in this interrogation or this like holding cell. And they're just like, huh, what should we do? Should we take off the mask? And, and Gordon's really defending him here. Mm-hmm. He's like defending him against all of the other officers in this police department. Right, right. And then uh, what does Gordon get for that? He he gets a punch to the face. <laughs> That's right. In the next room. <laughs> it's kind of weird because... They're trying to figure out, like, how can we get you out of here? And so Batman's like, I know. Uh, and just, like, drops him <laughs> and takes off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he actually has to escape by a pretty unconventional method where he gets all the way to the roof. And then he busts out this, like, inflatable, like, wingsuit that comes out of his bat suit. Mm. and he just dives he like cliff dives off of the roof 
but I don't, I don't even think that building's tall enough. So that's why he was kind of like struggling. He was already descending like really quickly. Right, right. Oh, it was a it was a squirrel suit like those like oh squirrel. Yeah, yeah. yeah you see them uh, when they're flying along the mountain sides and shit. Yeah, I I do think this was pretty cool because usually in like in the Christian Bale movies, it's like he can lock his cape. And that almost becomes like a hang glider. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a built-in like hang glider. Mm-hmm. But in this one, I don't think he had anything like that yet. So his method was like, I'm just going to have the squirrel suit. <laughs> and it, it kind of shows that he doesn't he doesn't quite know how to operate it. He's just like, well, I mean, it, theoretically, yeah, exactly. you know, all, all I need to do is just like Open dive off and then the wind up. will carry me. Yeah. But he, he didn't really figure out that landing part. And so he like he has like a parachute that comes out right but it catches on the bridge and he like it like knocks him into the top of the bridge and like drops him on the ground yeah yeah oh he eats shit needless to say he eats shit so right after taking a bomb he eats shit (laughs) 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 right after falling pretty fast from this building yeah he eats shit i remember watching that happen i was like oh damn yeah some broken he's good though brush it off brush it flesh wound only a flesh wound (laughs) So after that, are, is Batman and Gordon, are they thinking that Penguin's the guy now? They're like, they're looking for an informant because when Selina Kyle was collecting intel, they were talking about there was an informant, mm. Annika, who's uh, who's Selina Kyle's friend. And she was kind of being, she was uh, holding up in Selina's apartment. She gets kidnapped. She knows uh, too much. She knows some information. So someone comes and kidnaps her. Selina Kyle's pissed. That's her, her buddy. That's her best friend. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to go track down the penguin. And uh, I think this was probably one of the coolest scenes of the entire movie. So this is where Batman's already, he already found out that penguin has some sort of like illegal drug deal or something happening at the docks. And then um, he, you know, he's about to search the car and he sees that Selena calls there already doing the same thing. And she, she wants to steal the money from penguin because she felt like this is just something she deserved. But also, you know, she was, she was still trying to look for her friend and uh, they end up finding the friend. So Annika or Annika, is it her head or is it, is it just like her whole entire body is found in the trunk? I forget. I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, they see her face. Yeah. That tells the audience that, yeah, she didn't make it. She's dead. Yeah. They took her out. Once they figure that out, Penguin spots them and all of his goons start attacking. I don't know. Batman gets shot in the head and he, he almost gets knocked out from that. So that's like, man, this guy's already like concussion after concussion at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But somehow he sneaks his way. He ninjas his way into the dark alley next to this this uh, dock. The, the scene, this entire car chase scene is fucking badass. But the beginning of it was kind of awkward because Batman is just in his car. This car takes five minutes to boot up so it's like (laughs) everything's like powering up it takes it's fucking loud Mm -hmm. you know the little jet engine starts in the back and the first thing that penguin decides to do is like oh he's in a car let me get in a car and drive away i'm like if he just stood there batman would have just hung out in his his car until it it was time to come out but what i thought was was interesting was it wasn't penguin that flees first it's batman that flees to his car and then just hopes that they're gonna drive away so that way he can chase them because (laughs) he's in no condition to chase them on foot right right and if he gets out of the car they're just gonna outnumber him you Mm -hmm. know so he's just gonna hold up in his vehicle hoping that he's like okay i'm i i bet penguin's gonna drive away now yeah and so my logic was just like if penguin just stayed put nothing would have happened they would have just still been there 
<laughs> you know, Selena car already took off. Like she took the money and fled uh-huh. on her motorcycle. So they, they could just surround the car and just like gun them down in the car. I'm assuming, or maybe like throw some bombs at it or something mm-hmm. or call for backup, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. So penguin, he decides, he's like, Oh, you're in a car. Let me get in my car and then we'll drive away. Maybe I'll, I'll be able to outrun you. So this is where the cool car chasing begins. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, the new Batmobile? <laughs> I I don't know. It was kind of... Uh, did you think it was kind of underwhelming compared to the other Batmobiles that you've seen? I have a soft spot in my heart for the uh, Tim Burton Batmobile to this day. Oh, with the about, big fins? Yeah, the big fins, the long front end. My, my dad had this, uh, this Camaro, like 80 or whatever 82 83 mm-hmm. camaro it was it was felt like the bat we used to call it the batmobile because it had such a long front end it looked like one of those <laughs> like t-top uh uh what do you call it thunder thunderbirds or um thunderbirds, Trans- yeah. Trans-Am, Trans-Am. they all kind of looked similar around that time yeah that was like the popular body style to go with right right so so that having been said uh i did like this car though more than this big ass tank that was the interesting Christopher okay. Nolan, uh batmobile yeah i just preferred this one to to look more like a car I thought it was okay. it was it was to your point earlier, uh, kind of this Frankenstein deal. So that yeah. car being the way it was, it, I don't know. It just looked it it, it, it kind of seemed like a nod to that car from the eighties in some sense. You know what it reminded me of was Have you ever seen the Thomas Jane Punisher movie with John Travolta? No. So he kind of does like a similar thing. He grabs a muscle car. He he just outfits it with uh, these like all these gadgets, and he has almost like this steel curtain that he can like draw down hmm. just in case he's being ambushed or whatever so it kind of reminded me of that and i actually really dug the look of this batmobile much like how you had a soft spot for tim burton's batmobile design i really love the tumbler from the christopher nolan oh, movies you did? okay i liked it i mean the only drawback i thought was it was kind of strange that they just have a bunch of these tumblers around like already made you know which they showed in the dark Knight rises where they have several of them, you know, just kind of roam in the city. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the cars, I felt like that one kind of made the most sense to me because you just this huge monster truck wheels in the back almost. And it didn't have like the extra flair of like the fins and whatnot. Like everything seemed functional. It had the fins to kind of make it more aerodynamic. And it only really had these main guns, which were in the front it would like transform into the cockpit mode or whatever, you know, right, when he was right. like shooting the gun. So, so I, I felt like that one probably made the most sense. Uh, it had the most utility in my opinion, but this one was, was cool because it seemed more grounded, like the most plausible out of all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that you could probably achieve yourself if you had, you know, even just a quarter of the resources. Right. Um, how'd you like the, this car chasing though like did you also think this was a badass scene i thought it was up until and up until the jump but i knew it was coming i knew the jump was coming from the trailer but exactly see that's a pet peeve of mine is when you spoil the best parts of a movie in the trailer so Mm -hmm. you already know that they're coming from a mile away yeah yeah and so that one had definitely been telegraphed but i thought it was cool and i and i really liked how I just like a Maserati, you know? And that's what Penguin was driving. It was just like mm, sleek, yeah, that's what sexy, yeah. fucking, like of all the sports cars that are out there, it's like the most, it's like a luxury car with like 12 cylinders. That thing is fucking fast. And if anything was going to outrun the Batmobile, it was going to be that because that thing has way better handling. Muscle oh. cars are fast in like a drag race, like going straight. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to 
to weaving in and out of traffic, dude, that Maserati would have been gone. Oh, exactly. So I was like, this is appropriate. This is a sick ass car. I, I really yeah. liked that. Um, I thought even just the, the, how he pinned him in and thought that he'd lost them. Penguin I was like, yeah, was I got cool. him. I, yeah. I thought he was done. I, I was like, oh, wait, how the hell are they going to make him get out of this situation? You know, mm-hmm. I was kind of curious about that. <laughs> and then the trailer went replayed in our heads and was like, oh, that's right. This is co- oh, <laughs> and there it is. There it is rearing its ugly little head. Oh, he used. So it was one of those car transports, right? Yeah. The ones that can carry like eight cars. So yeah. he rode up that used his boost. And that's something that I mean, we've all thought about at one point is like a if we went fast enough, could we use this as a ramp? Could it happen? Could it <laughs> and happen? he does. Uh, Penguin causes this major freeway accident. These big rigs just collide with each other. There's this huge explosion. And Batman uses the back of that little car carrier, dive over the explosion, dive over all the harm. And uh, <laughs> I felt like the imagery was cool, though. The way that the the style of the scene that Matt Reeves carries out was was pretty awesome. Yeah. Like how um, you have like the giant explosion. He's kind of like checking his rear view mirror and his side mirrors like, oh, yeah, I got you. I like that. I got too. you. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely sold that. You see the Batmobile just emerge from the pits of hell. The pits of hell. as And, it were. <laughs> and um, so he actually lands and hits like a quick pit maneuver on the Maserati, right? And flips it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think that's also very difficult to do. Those things don't flip those exotic cars. Oh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess they found they found a way. So we're just supposed to suspend disbelief there too. He can take an explosion <laughs> to the face. He can take a bullet to the head. And uh, I think he would have spun out car. maybe, but yeah. I don't know if he would have flipped. Yeah, needless to say, the car flips. Penguin gets fucked up, <laughs> and uh, that's where Batman has like that slow like walk up to the car, or whatever, with the explosion and the fire behind him. Yeah, the cool imagery. Um, this was probably the most climactic scene in the whole movie because it, the rest of the movie is really subdued but this was like the most <laughs> i'm using like car puns here the most high octane <laughs> part of the movie oh yeah oh yeah stephen king would be proud high octane and uh so they they end up interrogating the penguin and i don't know if you if you caught this but penguin does a little penguin walk here because oh, he's, right, he's right. like bound he's by his ankles yeah and he's cuffed, so he's like, "Wait, guys!" As he's like chasing after him, and he he actually walks like a penguin, uh-huh. which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, I like how they added that in there. They got I got an eye roll out of that. I was like, "Okay," because he's the <laughs> penguin. Got it. This is where it, the movie was kind of starting to lose me a bit. It was this whole El Rata Alada storyline? Yeah, that was that was too much. I was like, okay, this because I'm raspy. just like, wait. So I'm I'm already struggling to remember what this phrase is. It's like Latin or something, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. This is like the basis of what they're going off of, and they keep. I guess that translates to like rat with wings or, or whatever. And so, tell me why when they're talking about like rat with wings, why is it that the first thing they think of is a penguin? A the rat. first thing anyone is going to think of is a bat. Right. Rat with rat wings. Rat with yeah. wings. Like when or they were like, oh, the, yeah, exactly. I, I would feel like I would say bat 100% even before a pigeon. Mm-hmm. They're like talking over Batman's talking over the Gordon and he's like, oh, rat with wings. I think that's penguin. I was like, is it though? <laughs> so that that kind of like already led me to believe that it wasn't going to be penguin because I'm like that. There's no freaking way that they thought that was going to out the penguin you know as the informant 
none of this makes any sense so far. Yeah. So I don't know if it, like I felt like I was the only one. Every, everyone else seemed fine with this this plot, but I was just like I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of struggling to to keep up with this part. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was not easy to easy to follow, at least for me too. I was just like, uh, hmm, I guess. I think that's when it he kind of says what we've all been well at least what i was thinking was that he was like have you not uh really thought about the el rata alada um like the rat with wings like he's like you know that kind of sounds like a bat to me and <laughs> and then so I, I think that was almost like a oh shit you know moment for right. batman like he was probably like oh shit that's, oh you're you're kind of right i didn't even think of it that way that's the first right. thought i thought of i was like really penguin no i would think bat before penguin but Mm-hmm. yeah yeah um after that i think that's when alfred gets blown up yeah he's just cutting through the mail checking the mail and then there's this uh, strange looking one and it, it seems to have a little countdown on it and ends up blowing him up he's able to at least toss it away <laughs> so you know, he doesn't get the full brunt of it no i know no kind of like the way uh, batman just took the full brunt of it to the face as we were saying last time just batman's like I ain't no bitch. Like, I would have just put it in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, it don't hurt me none. Yeah, some of the things are kind of... I don't think they're quite consistent in the movie. So there's a part where Batman's just walking through gunshots, no problem. But then there's, like, moments sure. where he gets shot from, like, yards away. Probably, like, <laughs> 30 yards away, he gets shot by one bullet, and it, like, knocks him out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then... And in the dirt for a little bit. And then he gets blown up face first by face that first. neck bomb. Just watch, shrugs that one off. He's, but then he'll take like shotgun. Oh. Yeah, you know, like he'll take like strip like shotgun blows to the the stomach, and then to the, you know right. it just kind of knocks the wind out of him, but he's fine. He's like, oof, indigestion. Got to get some. <laughs> uh, Got to stop by Walgreens and get some Imodium. <laughs> Imodium. <laughs> some Alka Seltzer. <laughs> plop plop fizz fizz. That you know. You know, actually, I don't know why, but I actually thought Alfred died right here. I thought they were going to take it in a different direction where Alfred isn't there for Batman all the time, you know, isn't at his beck and call. I thought they're just going to kill him off early and have him just really be alone. But no, I mean, he was he was able to survive that explosion. Oh, right, right. I mean, w- would you have been kind of opposed to the idea of getting rid of Alfred just to kind of like throw a little swerve in the storyline? Um, I, I felt like... To be honest, I felt like keeping him alive did throw a swerve because I was mentally prepared. I was like, that was a point blank explosion. He's not wearing a bat suit. Uh, Yeah, this is invincible bat suit. Right, exactly. I'm like, this isn't looking good. Mm -hmm. This is not looking good. Yeah. um, So it, it threw me when he was still alive. I was like, what? Oh, man. An explosion went off in his face. Are we? really <laughs> are we really supposed to believe he survived that yeah i guess it's the whole like well you know it was a small enough bomb that it could fit in like a <laughs> little envelope and then he was able to also throw it away you saying those words right now reminds me of that's exactly what i was thinking when that happened i was like i remember like going no but then all of a sudden in my, i remember like kind of thinking like looking up even and just going like well i guess it was a small envelope so maybe <laughs> maybe it was just meant to be like a scare tactic like a threat because i mean the riddler sent it so he was when it was you know for batman but he knew all along bruce wayne was batman so 
you know, or sorry, it was meant for Bruce Wayne. And he yeah, it was meant for Bruce is. Wayne. That's right. And he didn't know that someone else opens his mail, but I guess that's not too far off because, you know, he's, he's a rich kid. So right, like, of course right. he would have someone else open his mail. Sure. Maybe he anticipated that, but you know, I think his end game was always to have his end game was always to have Batman. There it was always to have Bruce Wayne in the same room with him. And they were going to watch the world burn together. Around this time, too, it, it started to kind of uh, slow down the action a bit because I, you know, we're like fresh off the car chase scene and then there's the explosion after that. So I, it gets into more of like the, the detective work, which I actually quite enjoyed. I like the fact that they this is more of like a subdued Batman and he's just kind of like, you know, trying to solve puzzles and piece things together, piece clues together. Actually, I kind of liked it, you know, that's mm-hmm. where he, he finds out that, um, the letter leads him to the old orphanage that was once funded by the Wayne family. Mm -hmm. I get the sense that Bruce didn't know anything about this orphanage. So he kind of goes in, you know, he's with Gordon and -hmm. they're just kind of scoping it out. He's like thinking maybe, maybe they might run into the Riddler there, but um, you know, obviously it was, it was all part of uh, the plan because Riddler was basically just running his entire uh, scheme out of his little apartment. So, Mm. which was like in the heart of the city let the rats run through the maze for him. Right. Right. And, uh, what he finds out at the, the orphanage, they found out that his dad, Thomas Wayne hired a mobster, Carmine Falcone to hush a journalist who was going to reveal that, uh, Martha Wayne, I guess had like some sort of like embarrassing history. Like she had like a history of mental illness or something that they didn't want getting out. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of wondering like how, how embarrassing was this mental illness exactly? Was she like crazy or was she, I don't know. Right. Right. I, I mean, it, it, was it really going to hurt their public image? I don't know if it was that damning. I, I don't know. It feels a little, feels a little tenuous to me. Like really? Was she the, like the schizophrenic or something be... like split personalities? I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I guess you, you asking that question makes me wonder. Yeah. How, how bad really was it? And even if it were, it's not her running the city. It's her husband. So right. Exactly. Kind of odd. I don't know. Maybe it was, it was just like old the way that things were back then, you know, like they cared about that. Maybe had a trophy wife and then she needed to be absolutely perfect. And if, if she wasn't, then everyone would kind of look down on you. Right. Or, or, you know, yeah, they, they'd be under public scrutiny. I mean, negative ramifications there really would be aside from just having uh, the reputation i mean because it, it doesn't really affect their reputation per se it's not really that she's sick although they could imply that well what if she is going to be sick even if that were the case then i don't know then he shouldn't run after all yeah i, mean, I don't know maybe <laughs> why are you trying to, why are you so embarrassed by it why are you trying to cover it up type of thing yeah. right right exactly it's it's really not bad I don't know. I feel like they, 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 yeah, there wasn't really anything bad about it. I don't know what else to say. I was going to, I was going to be like, at least from what, like, you know, our, our stance on it. But what, right. I, what I was kind of getting from this was, I wonder if this is kind of where Bruce gets his mental illness from. Cause without a shadow of a doubt, you know, Bruce Wayne has some mental illness going on. He's, he's kind of fucked up in the head himself. Yeah, he's obsessive, and uh, so I wasn't quite sure. It, it was it was kind of an interesting take to reveal that one of his parents had something going on like this because I always felt like in all of the other origin stories, Bruce was fucked up because he witnessed his parents die. But I wonder if it's a combination of that and maybe some sort of hereditary mental illness going on. Right, right, yeah, a combination of the two. 
-hmm. perfect storm. Yeah. And it really just like broke him, you know, sent him mm -hmm. over the edge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Made him snap. Bruce always had this this really positive image of his dad. Like his dad was a stand-up man and always did what was right. And he, he tried to just help Gotham City as much as he could. But um, the Riddler was kind of trying to spin this, this story that his dad was kind of a piece of shit. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's like, look, your dad hired someone to kill this journalist because just because he found out something about your family, you know, mm -hmm. like, what does that say about your, your family? So this was the whole like sins of the father type of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think they flat out say exactly that this is what happened, but I had a feeling that they were alluding to the fact that the Riddler was a child at this orphanage that the Wayne family was funding. And so that's how he knew the Waynes. Right, right. Do you feel like that I, was explained to you? I think it. I, I feel. I don't remember the, the them actually explicitly saying it, but yeah, I, I remember it being sort of implied. Mm -hmm. Him just describing growing up. Um, doesn't the Riddler go into explanation about his childhood a little bit? I thought so. I thought he did mention something like that, like yeah, like uh, losing his was, parents and like that. Uh -huh. His dad. His dad was his everything. I think that's what it was. His dad was his like world. And so in uh, maybe in a lot of ways, he, he did look at Bruce as like the spoiled rich kid that didn't appreciate what he had, didn't deserve right, it. And, right. and then maybe in a way, because the Waynes were so involved in this orphanage, that he almost felt like Thomas Wayne was a father figure to him, even though he never actually like maybe even met him. After uh, Falcone and his men kill the, the journalist, Thomas Wayne's like freaked out. You know, he that's not what he wanted. He wanted Falcone to just scare this journalist and, and you know, keep him hush hush. But um, Falcone, he was like, hey, so what's the best way to keep someone's mouth shut? Take him out. So that's what we did. Right. And so, uh, you know, slept him. Slept him. <laughs> and um, put him to sleep. I think as he was dealing with that, you know, he kind of forgot about the orphanage. You know, obviously, like this is like a, a pressing matter and very stressful situation for him. He didn't know what he was going to do. And he was, he was kind of contemplating like, you know, turning himself in as well as Falcone because they were kind of in it together. Mm. Uh, I think at first he was going to, he was just going to turn in Falcone for what he did and just try to stay out of it. But I think Falcone was like, no, 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 we're in the shit together. Like they're hmm. going to be able to track you. They're going to be able to link you to me. I didn't just go out of my way to do this for you. You know, like you asked me to do this. You hired me. Right. So this is basically a hit on someone. <laughs> exactly. You asked me, you got to know I'm a pretty dirty dude. Anybody mm -hmm. who, if you say otherwise, who's going to really believe you? Everyone knows that I'm the guy. Right, exactly. So I think that's where the Riddler kind of feels betrayed is that maybe he did think of him as a, a father figure as well. And then he just kind of felt like he was tossed aside and he was like, oh yeah, he, Thomas Wayne really didn't give a shit about us after all. Apparently he just pretended like he did to maybe make himself look better. You know, Bruce is kind of torn up to, to hear all this news. Like, he's just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, his world kind of got turned upside down. Yeah. And so hero. he goes to visit Alfred in the hospital and that's where we find out that he survived the bomb. And, uh, you know, actually right. he's not, he's not even really burnt up either. You know, he doesn't look like two face or anything. I would have thought he'd be burnt there, you know, <laughs> sheesh. But I guess cause his face wasn't lying in oil. It was, there you go. Oh, true. Yeah. So Catwoman, uh, she ends up like calling Gordon and Batman to the top of this, like, I, I guess it's like a half built skyscraper or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's revealed that she 
abducted that corrupt cop. And this is where she also reveals to to Batman as well as the audience that the reason why she acts so weird about Carmine Falcone is because Falcone is actually her biological father. Spoiler alert. Boom. There it is. <laughs> yeah. And um, somehow she also managed to have this voicemail. Like, I guess her, her friend knew that some shit was going to go down when she confronted Falcone. So she already had, like, this voicemail recording to Selena Kyle. And that's where Falcone can be heard strangling Annika uh, in oh, the voicemail. Right, right. And so that's how Catwoman knows that her friend was killed by her biological dad who she already dislikes anyway she's like she she kind of feels betrayed by her father as well you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think this is where you finally find out who the informant is and i guess to the the audience like if you were kind of confused with this whole informant storyline the reason why th- through the whole movie everyone was trying to figure out who this informant was because the informant is the person that led to this like huge bust and the the downfall of Salvatore Moroni, uh, who I think was like the big gang operation in Gotham City at the time. So Salvatore Moroni's operation was basically, I think it was kind of untouchable. Like it was it was way too powerful for law enforcement to even take down. They essentially had this chokehold on Gotham. So there was there was almost like this power void when once the informant threw Salvatore Moroni under the bus and, and uh, there was, they were able to finally take him down mm. who stepped in when there's that, that void, that, that vacuum that was uh Carmine Falcone. So he kind of like took over right where Salvatore Moroni left off. So the, that's the big reveal was that Carmine Falcone was the informant this whole time. And, I guess they were, I don't know. To me, this was a big stretch, but um, the whole rat with wings riddle turned out to be Falcon, as in Falcone. Oh my gosh, right. Right? Right. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's pretty dumb, if that's really what they're alluding to. I'm like, uh, El Rata Alada is the rat with wings, as in a falcon, not a bat, right. a falcon. I've never once thought that. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. So that was a big stretch for, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone else thought that that was that made sense, but I thought that was a big stretch. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I guess if you think about it, if you break it down, a mole, uh, an informant, is a rat because he's ratting people out, right? Oh, he's a rat, but mm-hmm. he's he is a his last name is of a bird, so he's got wings. So it is a rat with wings. It's kind of like <laughs> a. It's kind of like a softball pitch. Like, here you go, guys. It's not too hard to believe, right? Even though the imagery yeah. imagery may, may not hold up. It's like, oh, they'll get there. You know, they'll, they'll get there. <laughs> so maybe that's what they're going for. But nonetheless, I, I kind of rolled my eyes on that. Uh, like, yeah, really? okay. me too. But anyway, yeah, Selena Kyle uh, explains to Batman and Gordon that she's going to go kill Falcone and, uh, you know, for, for killing a friend and for basically being a piece of shit in general. <laughs> Bat- Batman's like, no, let us handle it. She's like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. So she throws the, the corrupt cop off the roof, knowing that Batman's going to save him. Mm-hmm. And that gives her enough time to kind of run off and get a head start. Now, Selena is she's at the... Are they hanging out at the Iceberg Lounge again? I feel like they keep going back to this this same setting. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember 
They're like upstairs. Yeah, like maybe it's some sort of like loft area. I think or like so. A I thought there was room. like an elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She went. I think she did go back. I feel like they visit this iceberg lounge like four or five times in the movie. Yeah, I almost feel like it's a little excessive because I'm like I'm sure there are other areas in Gotham City that can be shown, but they just want to keep using the same settings. Maybe that's part of the whole um, the source material. Like maybe that was like an ode to the Batman comics or something is that that a lot of the detective work would be revisiting a lot of the same set pieces or whatever. So I mean, I don't know, maybe it was just in the same vein as that, but right. I I've noticed every single time I'm like back at the iceberg lounge. <laughs> and um, another thing that kind of annoyed me too, was every time they go back to the iceberg lounge, they only go through the entrance like every single time. So Batman um, has gone through this, this entrance both as Bruce Wayne and as Batman Selena Kyle only uses the entrance. Is there no other way into the building? Like no, huh. no window that they can sneak through, no vent that they can crawl through. It's just this one main entrance. That's a good question. I, I guess the question would be why, why, why do they always go through the main entrance? Is it, is there like, is it, and I almost wonder if it's not just a, uh, to just show them beating up the people at the front that, that don't want to let them in at the, at the twins, like, right? The, right, twin the twins, bouncers. right. So it's like, they just want to give them another, another shot, you know, to get messed up. Cause they were jerks to him at the beginning Were they jerks. They weren't jerks to her. It was, they were jerks to him. Yeah, no, they, I think they let her right in, but, and I think they also let Bruce in, but Batman, they try to fight. Right. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. I don't know. I was just thinking that surely there's another way to sneak in that our beloved ninja detective can muster up, but I guess not. No ninja way. He's like, no, I got all this shit on me. I'd like to see them try. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see them try. And so Batman uh, gets there just before Selina Kyle is able to kill Falcone. And I think Falcone even tries to kill her at some point, but Batman gets there, stops him, arrests him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's, he's escorting him out. So he's, he's doing what, what he likes to do. he, He'll beat them up, sure, but he won't kill them. He just wants to make sure that they get their justice. Mm-hmm. They get what they deserve, but in yes. a good way. In a good way. In a good way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was actually kind of interesting because you kind of see another power shift on the way out because Penguin was always loyal to Falcone, but once he sees that Falcone is kind of fucked, I think Penguin starts talking back to him and he's like, really? Like he, he kind of grows some balls, you know, as, as Falcone is, is in uh, handcuffs. And so Falcone is like kind of talking shit to him. He's like, really? You're, you're going to start like mouthing off to me now, all of a sudden, like this whole mm. time you've been a little bitch and now you want to, you want to come at me now that mm. uh, Batman's here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're, they're kind of arguing or whatever. And Batman's handing Falcone off to the police, to the proper authorities. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he gets sniped. So, he gets taken out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Surprise ending for Falcone. Of course, you know after Falcone gets sniped, everyone's able to identify where the the shot came from. It's coming from like this this third floor window across the street. So everyone just storms that apartment, and uh, mm-hmm. there's no one there. But they know that it's the Riddler's apartment because there's just like shit all over the place, and um, there's a lot of evidence there. I think even his mask is there, and so like, oh shit, this is the Riddler's apartment. What I thought was kind of interesting about this scene was I thought that as intelligent as the Riddler was, why would he just flee to some nearby diner and then just like chill 
and, and wait for the cops to show up. Like, I, I felt like he would have had an actual well thought out or elaborate escape plan, you know, with even a, a possible chase scene that like gets thwarted by Batman or something. But no, he just kind of like runs downstairs and then there's he just goes to the diner and that's like right there. And the cops identify him, you know? It's actually like mm. bystanders. They're like, yeah, that guy that ran out, he's just right over there. <laughs> right. It's Which is, odd. I think, interesting that, yeah, yeah, it is odd, but he is an odd person. And it's almost like, you know, he wanted things done a certain way. Like he, he wanted, maybe he's reducing variables so that he doesn't just die in the pursuit or Batman doesn't die in, in, in pursuit of him. Mm. Um, but instead he just gets put into a mental institute. Or yeah, he was in... Um, Arkham yeah, Asylum. I think he gets arrested first, and then um, they find out that dude's wacko, so they send him to Arkham Asylum. Right. So I think, yeah, it's it's, it's just it's it's twisted how he lets himself get caught like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obvious that he wants to get caught, but mm-hmm. the way that he was kind of explaining it to his his uh, little online community was that. He's like, by now, I'll, I'll surely be arrested. He didn't explain to them that he's like, okay, so what's going to happen is I, I'm going to get arrested now. You know, I'm going to kill Falcon. I'm going to get arrested. Then you guys do your thing. It's like he said that I'll probably be arrested by the time this all goes down. So you guys need to kind of pick up the slack for me. You know, and everyone and his, his community is like, yeah, we're, we're fucking down. Let's do this. Right. In a way, it's like, I almost wonder if he purposefully gets caught so that they let their so that the police let their guard down because mm. now they're not going to be expecting the riddler to be doing anything they're they're going to kind of rest a little more at ease like we, we got him he's a weirdo yeah, yeah. you know we don't understand him so we're going to look at him like he's this odd you know he's this enigma that we're, we're here to try to crack mm-hmm. um but uh hey the problem solved that's true because you know you know that too once they they arrest him everyone kind of like starts like winding down a bit and I was just okay so let's let's just go back up to the apartment let's search around let's see if we can find mm-hmm. any more clues so I was just kind of taking their time now like there's no urgency because we already right. got the guy and it t- even takes him a little bit to to break or crack into that like secure chat that he had with his online community because that's right. where they find out that you know there's another plan in place mm-hmm mm-hmm but um, what do you think of the true identity of the Riddler? Like, I, I know that we already knew who the, the actor was, but what do you think of, like, the way that he was depicted in the movie? I liked it. I, I thought uh, Paul Dano, he, just, he can just play that kind of creepy, uh, sinister character really, really well. So mm-hmm. just kind of this unassuming type. But, um, you know, the, you can sense the danger. Uh behind those kind eyes <laughs> not so kind <laughs> and eyes sweet, and that sweet boyish look of his yeah i no, i thought <laughs> that it was uh, i thought it was pretty good it was obviously like we mentioned before a very different depiction than um the 60s riddler and of course jim carrey's you know the 60s really over the top campy. and campy right and then jim carrey's kind of bridging that go edging more you know kind of 50 50 it seemed actually more 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 campy i would say than anything else but that definitely had his dark moments I liked it. Yeah, it's I mean, he kind of, you know, like you said, he has this unassuming look to him. And I I really got the sense that he was probably out in the open, you know, for everyone to see this entire time. And no one thought anything of him. You Mm -hmm. probably just think, oh, he's just some nerdy kid. Whatever. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Totally unassuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why they were kind of also shocked. Not only are they like he just ran to the diner. Then when they see him in the diner, they're like this guy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, all right, I guess do it. 
did you catch that look too? Like as you know, they they like plant his face down on the counter, and he glances mm-hmm. over, sees Batman through the window, and he just like smiles at him. <laughs> yeah, this is all part of our plan, right, Batman? Exactly. You know? Like he still like, thought hey. that they were like in on it together. Exactly. He's like, you're there on cue. Cool. Mm-hmm. You're with you're you're by now. It's already making sense to you that this is the right thing that we're doing here. That what I've been cooperating with you in doing is is uh, finally coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. So this is where Batman visits the Riddler, a.k.a. as we find out now, his his real name is Edward Nashton. And uh, Batman is attempting to understand Nashton and kind of find out what his plan was or if there's even anything else besides like what's already transpired. Mm-hmm. And I actually really love this, this scene because I think we interpreted, interpreted their relationship a little differently. So for me, I thought that what they were alluding to was that Edward Nashton hated the Wayne family due to the sins of the father. So he, he disliked Thomas Wayne and by proxy, he also hates like his wife and his son. And since Bruce is the, the last remaining member of the, the medium Wayne family, Mm -hmm. he also wants to, to take him out as well. You know, he felt, he feels that Bruce needs to pay for what his father did to him or what he feels like his father did to him. I got the sense that Nashton hates Bruce, but really likes Batman. And that's why I think that he doesn't know that Bruce is Batman because he's talking shit about Bruce and the Wayne family to Batman, expecting Batman to agree with them. And then I, they even allude to the fact that the Riddler's like, I know who you are. Batman is like fucking shitting bricks right now. Like there's like <laughs> guano collecting in his bath suit right now. <laughs> yeah. Did that uh, seem like that was the case for you or you felt like you, you interpreted it a little differently? Uh, no, definitely shitting bricks. That's, that's at least the, the vibe that I was getting. But then he continues talking and that's when he explains, he's like, you're just like me, you know, we're, we're, we're one in the same. And we're, we're trying to achieve the same thing in the city. We're trying to take out the corrupt uh, people in power and, and whatnot. And I think that's when Batman's like, oh, fucking thank God. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for a second, I thought he was going to say he knew that I was Bruce. But no, no, he's OK. Oh, whew, let me just gather myself. Let me gather myself. I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm vengeance. I actually really liked that that moment in the film because I was kind of like the balls in Riddler's court now if he actually knows his identity. But um, I got the sense that he didn't know that uh, they were the same person. Yeah, I got that sense too. Yeah, I mean, I, well, initially, but no, no. See, the thing is, he knows that his dad, he knows it's his dad. He talked about how it was his father. He's like, no, it's your your dad. Don't you remember? He's Isn't he saying it in the in the cell? He's like... Bruce Wayne, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like, I think that's the director kind of almost making it seem like he was talking directly to Batman, but I think he was, he was talking to Batman about Bruce Wayne. So I think he was like talking shit about Bruce Wayne to Batman, Hmm. expecting him to agree with him. At least that's what it looked like to me. I thought he knew that it was his father, but all right. That's what I got from it when I saw it. Regardless of that, um, Batman tells him that he's, you know, he's nothing like the Riddler, doesn't admire him, isn't his teammate, isn't his friend, isn't his colleague, and uh, this crushes the Riddler. So the Riddler 
was really expecting Batman to kind of be on his side. And I think he expected this visit to be like, hey, so, uh, you know, what do you need me to do type of thing? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, now now Batman's like almost attacking him. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're a weirdo. Yeah, he's he's like, I'm nothing like you. You're, you're fucking crazy. And, you know, I think this is also, it plays with the whole like, I think Batman is is crazier than the villains that he chases because he doesn't think he's crazy. He thinks he's perfectly normal mm-hmm. and doesn't realize that normal people don't go around dressing up like bats. But, you know, <laughs> people make fun of him for it. And they, they mention it a lot of times. Like, you know, I think Joker mentions it. Riddler mentions it. And every every time like it's brought up, like Batman's just like, he's like, nah, like, you know what you're talking about? You're crazy. I'm not crazy. You're right. crazy. Yeah, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I went to your schools, your churches, your institutional learning facilities. I'm not crazy. Do you know what song that is? No. Nah. That's institutionalized. I digress. Uh, so <laughs> the the Riddler in anger, this is where he reveals that he isn't quite finished yet. And there is something big about to happen. So Batman's like, oh, shit, I need to check the apartment again and figure out what's going on. This is also another scene where I thought it was a little like really was that batman discovers the the whole like floor plan under the carpet right but he he gets lucky because fucking cop extra number nine or whoever the fuck whatever his character's name was was like oh yeah that's a flooring tool my my cousin or whoever uses that you know for his flooring business so batman didn't know what the fuck that murder weapon was this whole time like he couldn't google it or he can't he can't use like some AI assisted search from his computer in the Batcave to figure out what the yeah. fuck this murder weapon was. Yeah. Why didn't he think about, yeah, that's an interesting point. Why, why did he just gloss over this very, this piece of evidence, like, and not think that it has its own significance. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause exactly. it's, the Rid- it's the Riddler. Why wouldn't there be some significance since everything else is significant, including sending those little like birthday cards or get well cards. cards or whatever. Yeah. Green yeah, cards. Yeah. And it's a unique looking tool. It's not something that everyone just has lying around the house. You know, it's like yeah. something to like either rip up flooring or like help plant it. He was killing people with this specific tool and he would leave it there at the crime scene. So they knew that what weapon was being used. And then Batman was just just now piecing two, two and two together. So he was like, oh, oh, shit. OK, so this flooring hmm. tool, maybe there's something in the floor. So that's when he rips up the carpet and he discovers there's a whole entire map, like a topical map of Gotham City. Mm -hmm. Aren't there like lights or something where the bombs are stationed? There's like something blinking. Yeah, I thought there was something like that. Yeah. So it's it's all laid out. I think they even find out that it's kind of strategically placed along like the the retaining wall of this this river that runs parallel to Gotham City. So Mm -hmm. I think they they think like, oh, shit, he's going to blow this retaining wall but before they can even do anything i think shit just starts blowing up immediately the plan was already in motion you know like the riddler was saying the seed basically just starts getting fucked immediately oh i think around this time too um before he even rips up the flying that's when they find out that there's that whole community uh the online community that is going to be assisting so he knows that he has friends but he doesn't know where they're going to be and uh, he knows that there's like something placed along this retaining wall, likely bombs. So the bombs blow up, city starts flooding. And um, I guess towards the center of Gotham City somewhere, they have like this uh, giant arena. So everyone just naturally starts like gathering there to like take shelter from the, the rushing waters. Mm. 
And um, I don't know if you noticed it, but it was, I thought it was actually kind of funny that it was called a uh, Gotham Square Garden. Oh my gosh! Of yeah. course, of course, yeah. So yeah, everyone just starts uh, collecting in there to to kind of take refuge from the the water, the rising tide. That's where the audience is shown that the Riddler copycats are gathering in the rafters of this mm-hmm. arena. So like, oh shit, you know, this is all part of the plan right here. They're gonna. I don't know if they're going to blow up the arena or if they're going to just like start like shooting people from the rafters or whatever. But yeah, this is this is all like part of their their ploy. So I would say this is the climax of the movie. But in quotes, I actually felt like this may have been one of the worst parts of the movie for me. It's getting everywhere. Everything Mm -hmm. like it's destroying everything. Nothing is going to be working. You know, it's like a big hit to the infrastructure. It kind of reminded me of how man of steel they're basically fucking up metropolis and i'm like this is gonna take freaking ages to repair all this shit you know all the shit that they're destroying (laughs) so i don't know i just i was kind of annoyed by like how how much damage gotham city itself was taking batman goes to this uh, arena and they find out that the mayor elect gets shot Mm -hmm. (laughs) my friend was actually saying like he he thought that was the best part of the movie because he thought she was super annoying oh no (laughs) but uh yeah batman comes in and he you know he's all thinking he's he's hot shit and he's about to fuck people up dude he gets immediately like overwhelmed by these nobodies also felt like that was kind of annoying yeah i don't know i mean yeah he took on um who was he fighting in the dark was it them was it those people oh i think think uh, wait with the with the muzzle flash scene Right, right. I think that was those were the uh, Falcon Goonies. That's right. So those guys had like way more training that, and he and he put them down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a little. And he was walking through those shots, so they were like just unloading in his chest, and he was just walking right through it. But then he get he's here. I don't know what his plan of attack was, but he needed like a way better plan because all he did was he like just starts walking up to like one of them, and he just like, starts punching them thinking that the rest of them were, were not going to do anything. So, like, right. obviously, like, he, you know, he takes, like, one or two out, but then the rest start shooting at him, and he's like, oh. So now he's just, like, hanging from the, the little, right. like, screen or whatever, the little jumbotron. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, Catwoman has to intervene and save his ass. Yeah. But then she's also kind of getting fucked up, too. So I'm like, both of the heroes are just getting fucked up by these, like, these nerds that they met online, you know, that the Riddler uh-huh. kind of amassed. Mm-hmm. So I, don't know. I was I was just a little annoyed by that. I, maybe it would have been better if they had some like military training or something. I don't know, but they never explained any of that. Right. I think Catwoman almost gets killed by the last remaining one. Batman's already kind of like I think he he takes like a shotgun blast to the chest, like point blank, and he's like incapacitated. Um, Catwoman's trying to kind of revive him, and then she's like getting choked out, and Batman busts out a, a little like adrenaline shot, like Pulp Fiction status, like to boost himself oh, right, up. Right. Um, what did you make of that scene where he, like, right after he gives himself the adrenaline shot, pounding that guy's face in with his fist, and he's not stopping? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, I was like, oh, he's pushing it. Wow, he might. This might be the. This might be the one that he actually kills. You know? Right, exactly. It was he was pushing pushing it to the edge there, and it's like he had he had less control because of the adrenaline. Mm, oh, maybe yeah. The aggression, just like he just wasn't thinking clearly. Because I mean, he, I feel like he was also pretty concussed as well. Mm. It seemed like he was he was still he wasn't in the right state of mind, and he's he's jacked up on Mountain Dew. He's jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, so he put the hurt on that guy. 
I did think there was a really cool feature to the suit, which I didn't even realize this was what it was the whole time. But he has a removable batarang in his chest. And it's it's not revealed until he sees that live wire hanging from the the rafters, and it's it's gonna it's like getting dangerously close to touching the waters with all the, the civilians below. Mm. So he jumps to it, and he you know he's gonna be all heroic and and cut the cable. I don't know. I guess risk getting shocked, but I would assume his suit was shock resistant or something. Maybe not. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just assume that. But um, yeah, that's where he he pops the batarang off his chest. So his his bat symbol is a batarang. Mm. Which I don't think I've ever seen in any Batman portrayal ever. Oh, that was actually pretty interesting. Kind of cool. Yeah. You know, his his suit more utility. Yeah, exactly. You know, in his moment of uh, heroics, he he cuts the cable that he's hanging from and then he he plummets to his death. But I don't know if they were trying to make it seem like he was going to die because he was getting shocked by this live wire when he cuts Mm -hmm. it or if he was going to fall from like... Or he was going to die from the fall. Right. I don't think anyone thought that Batman was going to die in the scene at all. No. They were, they were just like, trying to make it seem like he was going to. They definitely built it up. And I was like, really? <laughs> I don't know about all that. Oh, he's going to die. We just did one movie. Yeah. And then, you know, he pops up like two seconds later out of the water. He's perfectly right, fine. Right, right. Then he lights the flare. And, you know, it's the whole like iconic scene where he's just kind of like wading through the water with the flare. Mm. And um, what I thought was... It was kind of comical was that he walks over to the debris. You know, people are kind of, I guess they're kind of like trapped in the debris as like the rushing water's coming in and they're just like really panicked and they don't know what to do. So he's, he's just walking over there to, to guide him out. He offers to help the mayor elect first, the one that got shot. And she's just like, I ain't fucking going with you, you crazy motherfucker. So he's like, mm-hmm. all right. And so he extends his hand to like a child. Mm-hmm. And then so once he he uh, everyone sees that this child is trusting him and he's not hurting the child, then the mayor elects like, all right, I guess I'll go with you. So after he helps those two people, he just says, all right, the rest of you can fucking help yourselves. I'm done. <laughs> and so he just starts walking away. Is he not going to help the rest of them? Like, is no one else trapped under some debris? Like, he, he only cares about this child and the mayor elect. That's it. Right. And then, you know, he starts walking away and everyone's just like following him like cattle and so he's guiding the way you know he's the beacon right and have that big overhead shot it was mm-hmm. just a little over dramatic for me all these elements together are why i thought the climax of the movie was kind of underwhelming because there's just a lot of stuff that i'm just kind of like oh, this is, that's eye rolly yeah yeah same did you like the climax of the movie did you feel like it was you thought of it i mean it definitely felt at times like it grabbed me but then, yeah, then that, uh, you know, during those scenes, it definitely made me question, like, is this, is he really in trouble with these people? And <laughs> like, are they really that they really got him beat? So the internal uh, dialogue that Batman has that towards the end of the movie, you know, he's kind of explaining that all he's really tried to do was invoke fear in, in his enemies. But I think he he didn't realize that he was invoking fear in pretty much everyone. So I think that's why people are kind of hesitant to go with him initially. He, he's starting to, to kind of rethink his strategy a bit. And he I think he wants to be more of like a, a symbol of hope for Gotham, not just this uh, person to fear. But, you know, he also wants to be a positive figure as well. Mm. Right, right. He's almost having this epiphany. He's uh, starting to own it. He's fighting this crime, but he's not necessarily doing it to be liked by a bunch of people. He's just doing it because it's the right thing to do and because mm. he wants to just get vengeance on people 
more than anything else. Justice. Yeah, because, you know, this is supposed to be a couple years in as Batman. He still has a lot of growing to do, and I think he's still trying to figure stuff out. Obviously, you know, hopefully he learns from his mistakes and he's not going to just approach a bunch of people and just start, like, trying to punch them. Like, he's going to actually have a plan of attack next time. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Um, And then Riddler makes a new friend in Arkham Asylum. So did you automatically think that this was Joker? Yes. That was like everyone's first thought was like, this motherfucker's Joker. To me, he didn't sound anything like Joker. Even like how they were kind of like chuckling, you know, as like it was like fading out. They were like laughing together. None of the laughs sounded like Joker to me. So I, I just assumed it was going to be someone else. But I guess everyone was in the same mindset. And then was like, no, that's that's 100% Joker. It wasn't confirmed until they actually went back and released that deleted scene. I, I felt like it was still kind of up in the air. Yeah, I, I certainly I, I know that it didn't it, it didn't give it away entirely. It was still questionable, but I did have my suspicion that it would be Joker in there. That 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 was who he was talking to. It could you know it could have been Mister Freeze or someone. I'd just like choose another villain. I'm like we've already seen Joker plenty of times. Let's let's he has this whole other rogue gallery that we can go through. <laughs> Sure. No, it's true. But at the same time, it's like there's this there's this fascination with the Joker. And so it's almost like people want that's what people want to see. So kind of give them what they want. Mm. Are you not entertained? Yeah, I get it. You know, it's fan service. Yeah. We, we got to Everyone wants the Joker. We got to give him the Joker. Right. They, at the end of the day, he's he's a he's a director doing this big blockbuster. He wants to get butts in seats. And it could also it, who knows where that directive came from to make it be the joker if it was written by ben affleck that way or if it was intended to be a different way um in the very end of the movie we see selena kyle she she went to go visit falcone's uh like gravesite maybe so that way she can like piss on it (laughs) but yeah she didn't really like him you know so i don't think she feels sad at all i think she's just kind of like like yeah fuck you motherfucker i'm glad you're dead hmm i'm not sure you know it's uh yeah, she. All I can say is for you know we we just know that she goes there, but like, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe 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 she wishes deep down that he had been a better guy for her. I mean, it is her father, and it's like having that relationship to somebody else. It's it's really, uh, of course, really special. So it's like, as much as she resented him for being who he was in so many ways. Do you think that she was almost having this internal struggle herself, where she went there with the intent of taking his life? And someone else took it for her. And then she was she was just kind of like thinking now, like, damn, I almost got to that point where I was going to take my own father's life. And now right, she's kind of right. feeling guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it's like it could be that she's making amends. Yeah. That she's showing up there at his gravesite to just kind of in some way pay her respects uh, to the man that she called the, to the man she knew to be her father. Not because he deserved her respect for any other reason, but then that but just from the simple fact that she, that was her father. I don't know about if respect is the right word, but just at the very least, like, I don't know what you would call that. She just wanted mm-hmm. to be there. Maybe it was, she was just closing that chapter in her life, you know, like she, at this point, she doesn't, she won't have to worry about it anymore. Like, it's just, you know, like she, she can be whoever she wants to be now. She doesn't have to worry about this guy. Um, she can ride off in one of the cheesiest motorcycle scenes of all motherfucking <laughs> time. I was like, are they seriously going to just keep dragging this fucking thing out? Why? Wait, whoa! You didn't you didn't like their relationship? Their dynamic? 
Oh, I like their relationship. I thought, I, I mean, she's, Zoe Kravitz is gorgeous, of course. And I like the two of them together. Um, you thought I just they had thought a, that, that good chemistry? Yeah, I did. I, I really, I really did think that. So, um, it was a, of course, a, it's always a bummer to see them part ways because it always seems like Catwoman's parting ways with Batman. <laughs> They're just too, too different. They want different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, and somehow the same thing. It's just in different ways. But that motorcycle scene when they're that leaving. motorcycle scene was terrible. I was like, "You guys gonna drag this shit out?" Like they just following each other. Like you already said goodbye. So I also liked the the chemistry between them. I did think that their relationship did develop pretty quickly in this movie. Like mm. it, it seemed like it was just like, "Hi, I'm Batman. You know, you're kind of cute. Let's uh, let's work together." Like there should have been more distrust up until maybe like towards the end of the movie. And then I think that would have maybe finally convinced Catwoman like, okay, you know, he's, he might actually be a decent person. Was I the only one that noticed that Batman got friend zoned at the end of the movie? <laughs> Do you, did you see that? So like, they're kind of like staring at each other. They're like sharing a moment. And then Batman's like, he's kind of like hesitantly like leaning in and she's just like, nah, you know, that that's when she decides like, all right, let's bounce. Yeah, so, let's yeah bounce. he, he kind of got friend zoned at the end. At least that's what it looked like to me. Uh, the way the way I see it is, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you could see it as friend zoned. To me, I see it more as like she's being a cat. <laughs> she wants to be chased, you know, she's being how cats can be, you know, where you try to pet them and they might just be al- they might be aloof. They do their own thing. She's just being a cat. She's doing her own thing. <laughs> she's walking away. And right when he's like wanting her, it just makes him want her that much more. And that's what she's doing it for. At this point, she's thinking like Gotham City can't be saved. I'm over the city. I'm I'm moving on. And Batman's like, no, like I want to stay. I want to defend it. I want to protect it. Yeah. Um, so when at the crossroads, do you think uh, she would she would have wanted Batman to to go with her, or do you think like she knew that he was going to stay? Yeah, I think she knew he was going to stay. She just had to put the question to him still, because I mean, I think that's kind of the appeal. He knows what he wants, and she likes that. She's attracted to him because he he knows what he wants, and he goes after it. She's she know and she knows that that has to do with Gotham. As much as she wants him to go with her as well, she realizes that this is this is just who he is. You know, they kind of leave it ambiguous and, you know, perhaps she can show up later, maybe in the third movie. Who knows? And she'll be back and maybe she'll want to continue that relationship. Yeah, you never know. That is a wrap, folks. If you made it to the end of our podcast, then surprise, you've been admitted to Arkham Asylum. (laughs) You're in good company. Any final thoughts or closing comments? Um, happy to have another Batman movie. Uh, I've just been, I've been a Batman fan since I was a kid. Is he your favorite comic book character? No, although he may not be my favorite now. Uh, there's a, a soft spot in my heart for, for him. So yeah. And Pattinson yeah. did a great job and I thought the whole cast was good. I think hands down, um, on the DC side, he might be my, my top favorite. I just always felt like I, I love the fact that he's such a flawed character and um, that, that just makes him more appealing. And also the fact that he doesn't have powers, but he's he's like fighting people with powers. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he just gets it done with his gadgets. Right, right. With his gadgets. Exactly. With his ingenuity. Yeah, I, I like him in DC. I think my, my favorite characters are in Marvel, but for sure, Batman is, is up there on, in DC. You know, I don't want the audience to think that I was just shitting on this movie. I, I just felt like, you know, it had some weak moments like the El Rata Lada and the informant plot line and getting blown up with no fatal injuries. But um, <laughs> overall, yeah. it was a great start. You know, if if they still plan to do a trilogy, 
you know, they had intriguing takes on the characters. Um, this is definitely a different take on the Riddler than I've ever seen. And, um, you know, I think what I really love the most about this movie, I loved the atmosphere of Gotham. It might be the best take on Gotham City in any live action Batman movie, in my opinion. I think out of the Batman movies, this may have been one of the ones with the least amount of action. How'd you feel about that? It was more focused on like detective work and, and crime solving. Yeah, you were mentioning something like that earlier uh, about him just being, yeah, doing doing detective work. And I think that that's like a refreshing take on it as well. He doesn't have to just be like beating the shit out of people all the time. <laughs> it's a little more interesting when he's, uh, you know, using that, that big brain of his. Yeah, I was really digging it. Um, I think a lot of people kind of forget that Batman's super intelligent, you know, because most of the time he's just whooping ass. He can solve crimes too without punching someone in the face. Like how you're saying, you know, it, it felt really refreshing. And I did want to mention the deleted scene that was released after the movie came out. So this was released mm. on YouTube, right? Right. The deleted scene we're talking about is the one where I want to say from what it seems like, like where the scene picks up, this was supposed to be somewhere in the middle of the movie. So before mm -hmm. they stop the Riddler, I think at some point Batman visits Arkham Asylum and meets with the Joker. And I just thought the way that they played the scene out was excellent. Yeah, I thought so too. It was a, uh, for anybody who's seen Silence of the Lambs, it was very much a, a Clarice and Hannibal Lecter interaction. For sure. Because it's like, you got Batman coming in. He doesn't, this is like his first time interacting with the Joker. This is our first time seeing this depiction of Joker. And mm -hmm. I, I love the way that it was shot because for most of this scene, and this is only like a what? 10 minute scene if that um it's not a very long scene but for most of it the joker's out of focus or he's like you know kind of like hidden behind obscured by some some sort of object in the distance or it's or it's much closer so you you, you start to get little features the you get a lot more details of certain features you don't actually get to see the whole the the whole person and then it shows like a, a clear shot of the back of Joker's head. And you start seeing like he has like this patchy hair and he has a bunch of scarring. He looks like a burn victim. So I wonder if this those are like chemical burns. Because, you know, in the Tim Burton movie, Joker fell into like a chemical bath. And that's mm -hmm. that's kind of what transformed him. Yeah. I was really focused on their, their conversation, too, because Batman is going here looking for help. So he's trying to have the Joker help him figure out who the Riddler is. He has no intention of helping you. He just wants to kind of play around with you, you know, and making right. him seem like he's going to help him. And so Batman just gets frustrated. He's like, all right, you know, you're not going to help me. I'm wasting my time. The Joker actually says, like, before he leaves, that he thinks that Batman is scared of the Riddler because he, he thinks that they are too, they have too much in common. He's in his head. He's in his head. Yeah, rent-free. Yeah, rent-free, exactly. Overall, like, how would you you rank it? Would it be in your top three? <laughs> no, certainly not. No, no. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not cerebral enough. Yeah, so for me, I mean, definitely not top three. What about you? Uh, People consider it a cop-out, but I still think The Dark Knight is my top Batman movie. And I would even go as far as to say Batman Begins is probably number two. But hmm. I do think the Batman is number three. So I think it's better than the Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I really enjoyed it. If we're talking about top top Batman movies, I would say, yeah, Dark Knight would still be 
number one. Um, yeah, I guess I would say number two would be the Keaton. The the it would be Batman from the eighties. Mm-hmm. So that one would be number two, and then uh, number three. I don't know. That would be tough to call. Maybe the Batman. I don't. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean for for Colin Farrell's performance alone, I think. Damn, I think yeah. I would say that this is yeah Colin Farrell for me just killed it. Well, this has been Affliction Oz Podcast, Episode Eleven, The Batman. Just a reminder, we are available on all major podcast streaming services with new episodes dropping on the first Saturday of each month, 5 a.m. Pacific. Thank you listeners out there for joining Michael and I, and we will see you all next time. TTFN. To the Batcave. Inertia, brother. Inertia.